Well, if you will turn to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> I may have more lesson than we've got time this morning, so we'll see here how we do, okay? We're looking at the four, first four verses of Matthew chapter 6. And when we study the Sermon on the Mount, we realize that Jesus gave a divine standard. It's not just a grit your teeth and try as hard as you can kind of thing. You cannot do it with a human approach. And so it's a standard that is unattainable, and we need to understand that up front when we study the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it is only by the indwelling Holy Spirit, the life of Christ in us, that we are able to have this righteousness accounted uh, to us. We don't have any righteousness at all that he does not give us. And so Jesus said, set the standard that was unheard of by these people to whom he is speaking. Uh, the people had a religion. They thought it was biblical but it was not as high as God's standard. It was a standard that they had established that they felt they could attain. So Jesus has told them that he had not come to destroy the law and the prophets. They thought they had it. They thought they had God's law down pat. And Jesus comes along and says, mm -mm. I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to explain it to you, to demonstrate it to you. And so he is affirming the law and the prophets, the Old Testament law, and he is trying to explain it to these scribes and Pharisees. The disciples were there. There's a multitude of people there. So in chapter 6, Jesus begins to deal with hypocrisy at this point in the sermon. And we looked at that last week because in verse 1, he says, first word, beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness. Now that's what this New American Standard Bible says. Some of yours may say giving alms. I'm not sure what some of the other translations say. But he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Now here's the, here's the key phrase, to be noticed by them. So that's, that's where our focus is, to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So this is about motive it's about why are you doing these deeds of righteousness or why are you giving alms see the flesh wants to be seen doesn't it the flesh wants to be rewarded and applauded and we just want to put on a show sometimes for people uh, to notice us and to affirm us well the problem with their religion the problem with the religion of the scribes and pharisees was that it was a show it was a show. Their hearts did not match what they were trying to do. And so we saw in the lesson last week that they were actors on a stage. They were doing what they did for the applause of people who were watching. And so Jesus proceeds to deal with their giving, their praying, and their fasting. And so we see three sections here in this uh, long paragraph on hypocrisy. And so as we look through them, we're going to see, first of all, that the giving deals with others, the praying deals with God, and the fasting deals with self. And so we're going to look at those three things. But just remember that Jesus is driving to them the reality that they desperately need a Savior. 
trying to get them to come to that conclusion that they don't need to be satisfied with themselves in their own righteousness. They need to know that they can't do it and that they need a savior. So let's read the first four verses. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will repay you. He will repay you. So the, the picture here is, do you want the applause of men or do you want the applause of God? Who do you want to notice? The people that you're performing for or do you want God to see this? And so he says, he's saying to the Pharisees, your giving is hypocritical. Your giving comes under the category of hypocrisy. And so he tells them the problem, and then he gives us the solution. Now, in our society, knowing how to give can be very difficult. How many of you get 10,000 requests for giving to what sound like good things? Uh, on the internet, on phone calls, you know, in the mail, all of this sort of stuff. And so it can be easy to be overwhelmed with this myriad of needs. Everybody needs something. And so in the Bible, there are basically two kinds of giving. Basically two kinds of giving. Now, before we talk about hypocrisy, we're going to talk about giving this morning. And so if we don't get done, we'll pick up there the, the next week. But two ways, two kinds of giving in Scripture. The first one is regular giving to the church. The second kind is giving to the poor and needy. <clears throat> So there, you've got those two different kinds of giving in Scripture. And so when we talk about giving to the poor and needy, that is spontaneous, unstructured giving. Giving to the church is regular, okay? It is systematic. And so this needy person may cross your path, and when that happens, that's spontaneous, and you may need to be ready to just give something to them just because they crossed your path. You know, and you are to reach out your heart to that individual. Now, let me show you several Old Testament passages that deal with this. The first one is Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 11, 24. There is one who scatters yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So we begin to see the Old Testament principle that as we give, God blesses. And when God blesses, we have something to give again so that it becomes cyclical. And it is a cycle of blessing. God blesses us, we bless others, and then God blesses us some more, and we bless others some more, and it keeps on going. So if we don't give, there's nothing for God to bless. Um, there is no return. Turn back to the book of Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy, first chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. He says, if there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to them, to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he asks. Beware lest there is a base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, your eyes hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. Flip over to chapter 16 there now in verse 10. 16, 10. Um, then you shall celebrate the feast of weeks of the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your Levite who is in your town, and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your midst in the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. You shall celebrate the Feast of Booths. Go on, let me see. Skip on down. Look in verse 17. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given to you. So the principle is that when we give, we're putting ourselves in the flow of God's blessing. Now, the New Testament gives us some statements about giving. Um, and I just jotted them all down. This is a list of, I think, seven things. So if you want to get this, the first one is that number one, giving is investing with God. Giving is investing with God. It puts you in that cycle of blessing. Um, I'm going to run over here for a minute to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Just one verse. Be merciful, I'm sorry, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So when we give, we put ourselves in that flow of blessing. And so this is telling us you never get cheated when you give to God. You never get cheated when you give to God. Does do, now listen, God does not need our money. God does not need anything we've got. But we need to be in that flow of blessedness. This is not about what God needs. This is about him showing us how to put ourselves in that position to be in that cycle of receiving his blessing. So that it goes on and on and on. So giving is investing with God now. I'm challenged with time here, but let me say this out loud. We have to be sure we're giving to God. Because if we don't give to him, 
when that person does something crazy with what you gave him, you're going to be mad at him. You're going to resent having given. Um, I had to learn this lesson a, a lot of years ago when I was running our Buckhannon plant. And, of course, there were always ladies there who needed something, who needed stuff, serious needs. And so, you know, you would give it to them and give it to them. And then when they didn't go do with it what they said they were going to do with it, then, you know, I ain't doing that no more. What fixed it, what the Lord showed me that would fix it is I give it to the Lord. And then whatever it, they do with it is his thing to take up. And so it takes a lot of pressure off of us. Um, just, just be sure. That's number one. Giving is investing with God. You give it to the Lord. Number two, there will be a sacrifice involved. Now, he says, give as you are able. And that does not take away from that verse. But understand that sometimes it may not just be giving money. It may be giving time. It may be giving something you don't have much of. But there's going to be a sacrifice. David said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. So what we don't just give what we don't need. We don't just give out of our excess. We give whatever the Lord puts on our hearts to give to whomever he tells us to give it. Number three, it's not about how much you give. It's not about how much you give. Uh, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says, He that is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. He that is unjust in a little will be unjust in much. So it's a matter of where your heart is. It's not a matter of how much you give. It's a matter of where your heart is and where your commitment is. And that number one focus of giving to the Lord, of putting it in the Lord's hand, in the Lord's path. Um, number four is Luke chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> if therefore you have not been faithful in the use of the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? In other words, what he's saying is if we are not faithful in what we do with money, then we're going to miss some real spiritual riches. There are a lot of spiritual riches that are worth a whole lot more than money. But he's saying if you, if you don't be faithful in what you do with your money, then you're going to miss a whole lot of blessing a whole lot of blessing what could those blessings be i don't know it could be all kinds of things that could be you know god's power in your family that could be um souls uh, of, of lost people it could be ministry it could just be people in general it can be spiritual effectiveness it could be all kinds of things that you cannot buy with money so we need to be faithful in what we do with our money so that Things that are not monetary <clears throat> will be given to us as blessings. Number five, giving is to be personally determined. Giving is to be personally determined. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. As every man purposes in his heart, so let him give. As every person purposes in his heart, so let him give. In other words, it's between you and God. 
is between you and God. It is to be a spontaneous act of love. It is born out of a relationship and a fellowship with the Lord that just makes it happen. It's not on a list of to-do things. Number six, we give in response to need. We give in response to need. We are to be sensitive and listen to needs. Um, sometimes you're so bombarded with so much stuff, it's, it's hard to be sensitive to a need that's being held before you unless you just get knocked down with it for some reason. But the early church shared her resources because there was a need. And so to look around and see where the genuine needs are is a really, really important thing. Um, Paul went all through Asia Minor collecting money from the Gentile churches to give to the saints in Jerusalem because there was a need, okay? So for the Lord to, for us to focus on the Lord so that he can open our minds and our hearts to see where real needs are, where people just are having trouble making it then he may be calling us to intervene in that situation. And then number seven, giving demonstrates love, not law. We're not to give because it's on a to-do list, okay? We're to give out of a heart of love. Um, we don't give in response to some legal system. It is to be cheerful giving uh, out of love. Y'all know the, y'all know the verse... Um, God loveth a cheerful giver. I heard a child one time quote that verse, and she said, God loveth a chicken liver. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. And so where, what is all that born out of? It's born out of that fellowship, that love for God, his blessings that are coming down to us. And we're excited about those blessings, so we turn around and do what? Give some more, and the blessings just keep coming. I'm just going to tell you, Gloria and I have talked about it a number of times. It's, it's so clearly a God thing. You know, you all give very generously to our Sunday school treasury. And so um, sometimes Gloria will say, we just need to give away some money that, you know, that we don't have it for, for it to just sit here in the bank. So we'll get busy and give it away. And the next Sunday it's all back in there. We cannot, we've not been able to give it away. It just keeps coming back. So we as a class just need to keep looking at, looking for where those needs are that, that God shows us that we can meet the need according to the body of Christ. So <clears throat> the generosity with which we give is determined by those seven factors, okay? By those seven things. And so that it just becomes a heart. It's a lifestyle. So understand now, because this, this is sometimes just doesn't come through in the church's teaching on giving. God does not need our money. Do you hear that? God does not need our money. He's not saying, I need your money. He is saying, give, because it brings the full blessing of God into your life. And so God is saying, I want the best for you. I want to give you all I have for you. But this is how you get into this cycle of receiving blessing as you give. Give it away. It may be money. It may be time. Um, 
because there are a lot of other things we can give. I guess those are the two big things. But to have that giving heart, that giving person, is a revelation of who Jesus is and who he is in us. The word alms in the King James Version has to do with being charitable. The Greek verb has to do with rescuing miserable people has to do with uh, having mercy. It's not just feeling sorry for somebody. Now, sometimes we, we fall into that rut. We feel sorry for somebody, and we just go around feeling sorry for them, but we don't do anything about it. And so this particular word is the actual act of doing something to help. Put shoes on that, that the Lord has put in your mind and heart so he says it's interesting here too when when you get here to verse um well i guess it might better go back to matthew chapter six this is an important word you might just draw a circle around it first word in verse two when you give not if not if you give do it this way but what does the word when tell us it's an expectation it's part of who we are when you give and so it is assumed that we are going to give to people in need and the root of that is mercy Uh, it was the heart of Jesus it's the heart of God to give to the poor The Pharisees were doing this. It was a long part of Jewish heritage. And the Jews actually taught that they could purge away their sins by giving to the needy. So they were really messed up in their thinking in a lot of ways. And so you see what Jesus is doing. He's trying to correct all of that wrong thinking because he wants them to see that they need a savior they cannot wash away their sins by giving they can only wash away their sins by faith in the lord jesus christ and so they believed that the richer you were the easier it was to get into heaven and so you bought your way in and so jesus is correcting them when he said you know the verse when it says it's easier um For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. That was what he was addressing. Because they believed they could get enough money. If they had enough money, they could get in. And Jesus is saying, no. That's not what you need. What do you need? You need a Savior. So the Pharisees now would go around. That's where some of this text comes from. They'd go around blowing trumpets. They'd blow a trumpet and say, y'all watch this. Watch me give to this poor person. Because what are they after? They're after the approval of men. And so they made this big fanfare whenever and wherever they gave money. And they drew a crowd and they were doing all of this for appearance sake. But Jesus is dealing with what? Their hearts. He says, your heart is not right. You're not poor in spirit. You're not mourning over your sin. You're not doing all those things that we went through in the Beatitudes. And so the whole issue that he's dealing with here in this whole long chapter on hypocrisy is attitude. Motive. Motive and attitude. And so that's where we have to examine our own hearts. 
um, maybe we need to ask the Lord to show us where our trumpets and fanfares are. We've got some. We've got some. But we need for the Lord to show us what they are and where they are. And we may, <laughs> I'm guilty. Have you ever said something like, um, after all I've done for her, you'd think that she would treat me a little better? No. What is that? I did it unto her instead of unto the Lord. So see, it really ought not have anything to do with the person. It has everything to do with the Lord. Um, <laughs> it's funny, and you've seen it with me all through the years um, in churches and not in churches. All of the kinds of approaches people use to try to make us give. Uh, stuff you get in the mail. Um, all kind of stuff. But the question is, is our heart before the Lord when we give? That's what he's looking for. There's one more thing. One more thing. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll close with this. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And verse 10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. So this is... This is the Lord's saying and so what what is he saying here to just make it brief he's saying be sure that the one in need is really in need that's going to take some discernment and again it's all of this is before the Lord what is the Lord saying to you you know sometimes you can support the poor by giving them a job you can support the poor by giving them work by giving them the opportunity for self-respect um, some can't work. That is a whole different set of circumstances. If a person cannot work, they need to be cared for. But what is he doing? He's saying don't wastefully support beggars. Don't cast your pearls before swine. You take the Lord's money. It's the Lord's money. You do what the Lord says. And so there's so many people who have become beggars by profession. And God is saying don't honor that. And so, why? Verse 2, back there in Matthew 5, and I'm fixing to quit, Matthew 6. What did he say? Verse 2. Do not sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, they've got their reward. They've got a reward from men, but that reward is not from your Father in heaven. You're going to have some kind of reward. It satisfies you. But it's the difference between earthly rewards and heavenly rewards. If you do it for men, you'll get a receipt. If you do it for God, you get blessings. Okay? We'll start right there next week. There are people waiting to get in the door. God bless you.